You're listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs who have sold their companies and the advisors that help them. We elicit expert advice from exit planners, attorneys, merger and acquisition experts, accountants, business appraisers, and financial advisors, all with a goal of educating you about the sales process. Make sure to visit us on the web at divestopedia.com to see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business for the best price and terms. Whether you are thinking of selling, have started a sales process, or are post-deal, we aim to arm you with the knowledge required to maximize value and limit your downside risk. And now, here's your host, Noah Rosenfarb, a CPA and personal CFO to business owners planning their transition. Farb and here with me today for Exit Strategy Simplified is Joe Bizzano. He's a CPA and a principal at a CPA firm as well as a principal at private equity transitions. Joe's an advisor focused on exit planning and, and helping owners uh, successfully transfer their businesses. I'm really appreciative to have him today. Joe, thanks for coming. And why don't you start us off with telling us, uh, you know, based on your experience, what three things can owners start doing right now to prepare for an exit? Well, no, thanks for having me. Um, well, some of the, one of the first things that I would suggest that the business owners do is really educate themselves on the whole process. Uh, because there's so many moving pieces in transferring a business, it's important to learn what the options are. Um, and, and more importantly, don't wait until the last minute. To give you an idea, to give you an idea on how overwhelming it can be, let me give you an example of a business owner's comment that I received just yesterday. I was working with an exit planning client um, who's, bec- who's been in business for over 40 years. Uh, and during one of our uh, exit uh, strategy execution meetings, he made a comment that truly resonates with me. Uh, and it may resonate with a lot of business owners as well. Uh, what he said to me was, uh, you know, this, this is so overwhelming. I'm glad we got this process started sooner rather than later. What makes it even more challenging is the fact that this particular business owner is, is having a hard time letting go of the business uh, and pulling the trigger on the execution. Uh, But education is important, and uh, as you educate yourself, there's three major areas I think most business owners need to focus on. The first aspect, or the first area, is that of valuation. Uh, Business owners need to understand uh, what the the value of their business is, uh, what their business is worth, and more importantly, what the business is worth based on the exit strategy that's selected. Um, ed- educate yourselves on uh, how how you can work on your business and not so much in your business. It's critical that business owners understand that they need to become a CEO, a visionary, and a leader as opposed to just another employee in the business. Working 60 to 80 hours a day, or excuse me, 60 to 80 hours a week, um, doesn't necessarily create value in your company uh, if you're not doing the right things. Um, the second piece that needs to be focused on is that of taxation. Uh, even though you may recognize a lesser value in a particular exit strategy, the tax benefits may be such that it may, you may net or realize more um, from another exit strategy that may provide you a higher sales price. So the important focus here, the important concept to remember, it's not so much what you get, but what you keep that matters. And the third, the third item that um, you should focus on when you educate yourself is 
that a dependency on the business? Um, like the exit plan that I spoke about earlier, who was having a hard time pulling the trigger, you need to realize how dependent you are on this business. Uh, it's, it's never easy saying goodbye. And this business uh, that was created um, it is no longer what you do, but eventually becomes who you are. And what I mean by this is because your business is a significant part of the community, people in that community may now start to look at you and recognize you as Joe the accountant or Joe the contractor and not just Joe Bizano. And so, so the next thing that, that people should start to do is um, they should start working on their financial statements. Financial statements are a critical component, component to the successful transfer of the business. Uh, and the financial statements tell a story about the business. They not only tell you how strong the company is, but also how fit it is. Uh, the balance sheet will tell potential suitors how strong, uh, how strong the company is. For example, a company overwhelmed with debt will not only provide a strong picture of the company. Um, conversely, a profit and loss statement or an income statement will illustrate to the potential suitor how fit the company is. Now, what I mean by this is a profit and loss will tell you whether the company is running just to keep, keep up pace or is it running ahead of the pack. Uh, I think in, in addition, if you're thinking of exiting in the near future, invest in accountant-prepared financials. Um, internally prepared financials typically don't provide you the best, um, the best story of the business. Uh, even if you plan on selling your company internally, your advisors, such an appraiser, uh, will be able to provide much better work product if he or she is working with good numbers. And the third item that I think is very important that business owners should start doing right now is to work on the creation of a solid management team. I'll give you a story. A good friend of mine uh, and a colleague, he's also a business appraiser, he came with a very simple equation to define values. He said that the value of a business equals the cash flow of, the, of a business has to be both transferable and sustainable, and then you multiply that by some cer certain market multiples. Now, understand that unless a business can provide future cash flow, it's of little value to anybody. Therefore, in order to make cash flow sustainable and transferable, there must be an individual or a group of individuals that can make that happen when the owner is no longer in the business. This is critical to what outside buyers are looking for. So again, it's difficult for a business owner sometimes to let go of control, but he needs to understand that once he's no longer sitting in that chair, the company needs to, to realize the same type of profitability, if not more. I think those are uh, three great areas, you know, the education, preparation of uh, quality financial statements by an expert, and building a management team. Um, the, the one that I think is most difficult for owners to accept early on is the education component. What's your, been your experience with, you know, the reasons clients defer getting the education or the reason they, uh, once they have the education, they, they oftentimes defer the implementation? Well, I think that's the two very distinct questions. The first is many business owners don't really understand uh, what they're being confronted with. And as such, there's not a lot of education out there. I think that's changing a little bit now. I know we provide many, uh, many seminars and workshops to help educate business owners on all aspects of, uh, of exit planning. Um, and 
you know, and then the other option, the other question that you mentioned, um, the, the failure to execute. Uh, typically, what happens is once they get educated, they go back to their business and they become involved in their business again and overwhelmed with the day-to-day -day activities, and it just loses its steam. Um, so, you know, I think those are two key points where uh, you just have to make a conscientious effort to um, to, to to execute. And, uh, but, but I think from, a, from an education standpoint, there's a lot of business owners out there that are thirsting for this knowledge. They just don't realize that it's out there. And um, maybe some don't even realize that they actually do need it because uh, I, I think a lot of business owners think that, uh, you know, the typical answer is, well, I'll just sell my business in five years. And, and maybe they think they're just going to put a for sale sign up and it's going to get sold. Um, but the hard hard reality is that um, the odds are against them. One of the, one of the things we, you were talking about is on the execution side, and what I find is some of the easiest things to execute relate to tax and estate planning opportunities, because most of the heavy lifting is done by outside professionals, and the return on investment tends to be really significant. Why don't you share with me some of the uh, common pre-sale tax and estate planning strategies that you've used with your clients. Well, I think one of the one of the biggest um, items um, is a buy-sell agreement. Although you may not think a buy-sell agreement plays a big role in estate planning, it, it can have a profound effect on family dynamics. I'm actually working on a client right now who's um, you know, sole owner who passed away un unexpectedly, uh, apparently did all the right things. He created a will. He established trusts for the fam for the benefit of the family. He even purchased life insurance. Um, however, uh, a problem occurred when he made the corporation the beneficiary of the insurance policy, and then he put the stock of that corporation in a trust. Now, there's some complexities in and of, them in and of themselves in the stock ownership rules of a deceased owner, but, but absent some of the significant Absent that, some significant complications arose. Most notably was the fact that um, uh, the, the family did not have a sense of what the owner truly wanted to happen with the business. There was no buy-sell agreement or other documents that expressed his intentions of what was to happen to the business. Now, this business owner had five children. Two were very actively uh, involved in the business. Uh, two, uh, two of the other children... Um, spouses were active in the business, and one did not participate in the business whatsoever. But the question that arose subsequent to the owner's death was whether the insurance uh, was to be used to buy the stock from the estate and improperly owned, or did he mean to artificially double the value of the company by trapping insurance benefits in the trust and provide more value to the, to, to the spouse, to the widow? Uh, the, section, the second option that I just described uh, would create a big funding problem for the rest of the family who now has to pay double the price um, for the business. So right now we're in the process of uh, we, we've uh, completed the plan. Um, we're in the probate process, uh, but we think our, our exit plan is going to be a big foundation for arguing that option one is most advantageous to the uh, overall family's well-being. Um, yeah, and, and having that buy-sell agreement in place would have made a significant difference, I guess. Correct, 
Correct. Well, it gives it gives everybody the understanding of what uh, the owner's intentions were, and it makes the um, uh, the execution. Again, we're talking about execution, makes it uh, much easier to proceed, and it takes away any uncertainty and misconceptions. Um, the ne the next um, the next opportunity again, it's understanding um, the difference between us, maybe a stock sale and an asset sale, and the con tax consequences and planning opportunities associated with each transaction. When we do these analyses, we often look at strategies like um, perhaps a 1202 gain exclusion, uh, which allows business owners the ability to exclude all or a portion of the gain on the sale of stock. Some of these things are not, or these strategies are not well known, but they are out there and they could provide considerable uh, tax benefits to the seller. Uh, we also look at uh, tools like the intentionally defective grant or trust. We look at the Section 338 H-10 election. Again, these can bring some significant tax savings in the proper situations. It's also important to know and understand that um, using advisors that are familiar with transferring businesses and, and that they can provide cost-saving solutions to your transaction is of most importance. Probably the best example I can use to portray this importance is, you know, if you were to use an attorney um, uh, who does pr primarily real estate transactions and closings, you wouldn't necessarily use that attorney to um, prepare an exit plan for you or to defend you in litigation. I think the same holds true in exit planning and that each um, advisor has a specialty area and that each will bring distinct uh, solutions to the problem. Um, so I think specialty areas are critical to achieving the best results. And probably another um, uh, pre-sale tax planning opportunity is really invest in an exit plan. Uh, a properly written plan will identify areas of strength and weaknesses within your exit strategy. The exit plan really should take you through various, tr various uh, strategies and transactions before you actually go through them. And what I mean by that is, uh, an exit plan should paint a picture for you of what the, the transaction is going to look like. Um, it, each, it should concentrate on the business, personal, financial aspects of your lifestyle. And each of those areas should be coordinated with others in order to achieve the best results. Um, I think the most important thing to remember is that you only have one chance to get this right. Uh, you know, that, that kind of reminds me of a um, question um, that I was uh, provided or addressed several years ago when I was promoting my exit planning service to an advisor. And his question to me was, you know, businesses have been selling for years and years. Why would anyone need, anyone need to use your services? Well, that kind of stumped me a little bit, and, and I kind of thought about it for a while. And as I reflected on the question, I thought of, about the numerous examples that have come up in discussion about business owners who didn't understand how the transaction they just executed was going to affect their their future lifestyle outside the business, or whether they're going to have enough money to maintain that lifestyle after they leave the business. It also made me think about those business owners who just closed down the business because there were no external buyers for their business. It's important that business owners understand that if planning, the proper planning is done, there's numerous options for exiting a business. Uh, again, you just have to plan be educated on those options, and then be willing to pull the trigger and execute it. All good advice. 
So when a business owner's done their planning and, and they're uh, getting ready to implement the plan, what do you think are the common mistakes they make when they're talking about their exit strategy with their executive team? Well, a couple, a couple of things in this particular area. Um, exit planning can be a very difficult, difficult, technical and difficult subject to understand. Um, there are numerous disciplines and techniques that come into play. And as common with, with many business owners, they don't fully understand the concepts. Um, they know their business inside and out, but when it comes to exit planning and discussing ex exit planning, a lot of this is foreign to them. So because of the unfamiliarity with the process, the result is that many times the message is lost in the translation. Um, I've had a few instances where the owner decided he, did not want, he wanted to relay the message without our presence or guidance. Um, but because of the complexity and the strategy to be employed, you can imagine how the message was delivered. Um, when he delivered the plan or the, the message, um, uh, it was misconstrued or just not really addressed in the same fashion that, that we set it out to be. And this caused um, uncertainty and delays. So, so now, as, as far as our own practice, we make it a, a pre um, mandatory that our presence in delivering um, the message on all our engagements, uh, we want to make sure that we're present. Uh, and this holds true not only to the executive teams, but to the advisory team as well. Um, many times, uh, again, uh, key, the, the message is lost in the translation, and unless everybody understands the plan and is uh, working towards the same goal, which is the business owner's goal and not, goal and not the advisor's goal, um, I think that's the only clear way that um, this business owner is going to be successful on his exit. Um, the second common mistake that can occur when um, sharing some of this information um, is, is when the timing, uh, when the information, the timing of the information, uh, timing is critical. Uh, I think letting the cat out of the bag too early can create some problems with, with not only the culture of the business, but the production of the business. Um, especially if the information is obtained by, the, by these executives uh, either piecemeal or through the rumor mill. Uh, and in this case, I like to use the real estate analogy. In real estate, it's about location, location, location. In exit planning, it's about timing, timing, timing. And, and timing plays such a critical role not only in the planning um, stages but in execution, delivery of information, and so on. Um, so I think those are probably two of the most uh, most important aspects of, of sharing information to the executive team. Good advice. And, and you know, as far as timing goes, I think timing, it's been shown, has such a great impact on valuation also. So that part of it's critical for owners to understand as well. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. When When the owners are dealing with their internal and external stakeholders, you know, the employees, the vendors, their contacts. Uh, does, does the same advice hold true about making sure you deliver the message clearly, concisely, in a way that adds value to the listener, um, and, and watch your timing? Is it exactly the same, or are there some uniquenesses there, too? Yeah, I would say that uh, a lot of the same, um, uh, same issues occur. I think at this point, confidentiality is your best ally. You know, it's often said, especially when a sale to an outside po outside party is uh, is being structured, um, it often says that every every deal dies three deaths. And so, 
what, what that means is that you, you've come to terms and then there's changes and that everybody walks away and then they come back to the table and so that happens quite a bit as, as negotiations occur. You can imagine if um, uh, you start letting out information to either your employees or to vendors and such and uh, you know the deal never never falls uh, never comes true. Uh, that could create some some problems down the road for uh, uh, profitability and, and the future operations of the, of the business. And how about once the deal is closed, what would you say is a best practice in general for owners? You know, should they be trying to get on the phone with everyone? Should they be sending out an email? Do they need to send the uh, you know paper mail? Do they send out the sales team? What would you say your advice is? Well, I, I think in the, in most situations. Um, Unless the business owner gets cash up front, 100% cash up front, he's got a little bit of a vested interest in the future operation of the business. Um, I think it would be in the best interest for the business owner to uh, make a personal make personal contact to some of the major players. You let them understand the um, uh, situation. Let them understand that um, uh, the new team that's coming in is going to be continuing. Uh, the same type of culture that um, that you had, and that uh, things should should go on as normal. Uh, especially if you've created that management team that can uh, con- continue the process uh, that you've created. Um, I, I think that that's very they're very important. If we take a look at uh, you know different aspect of selling and, and focus more on the owner and the owner's family. How should they go about figuring out how much money they actually need to feel financially secure? Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I prepare an exit plan for my clients, typically the defining moment in the plan is when the value gap is compared to the estimated net proceeds that one might expect to receive from the business once it's sold or transferred. You're probably going to ask me what's what's a value gap. Um, well, typically the value gap is is really the difference between the amount of liquid assets that you're going to to need to accumulate that based on a reasonable rate of return is going to provide you with um, substituted income that you're you're going to um, lose when you when you transfer your business and when you take that lump of assets that liquid assets that you're going to need you compare that to the liquid assets that you already have accumulated oftentimes there's going to be a gap Okay, and that, that's we call that the value gap. And the uh, the important thing to understand is when you compare that to the net proceeds of the company, um, of the sale of the company, hopefully that number will fill the value gap. In other words, that number will be greater than the than the value gap number. If it's not greater, then that typically will create some problems for the business owner. Um, he has to make some decisions. One is, do I want to lower my lifestyle after I exit the business? Or two, do I want to hang in there a little bit more, try to increase the value of this company so that I can um, maintain my lifestyle and fill that gap? So there's there's some uh, pretty critical decisions that need to be made there. Um, and I think a value gap analysis is critical to any exit plan. And in general, when you're working with an owner, and let's say they want, you know, four hundred thousand dollars a year of income to cover their lifestyle, do you 
use some multiple to figure out the the liquidity that they'll need to cover that, or do you yeah, do we'll some do, more structured planning? Well, we, we do our, during our interview process, we try to identify if there's any major um, acquisitions uh, business owners want to make once they retire. Um, I have a particular case where one business owner says, you know, when I retire, I'd like to buy a nice farm with a big farmhouse and, and retire there. So uh, I said, next question is, well, how much is that going to cost you? A million dollars. So we need to know that uh, we have to account for a million dollars of that going into the real estate. And then beyond that, we still have to fill the value gap. So we'll use a reasonable rate of return. We try to get an understanding of um, risk tolerance of the business owner. And uh, if clearly somebody who's in their 60s is probably going to be less tolerant. They're going to want to preserve more of their principal. Make it, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult because they're going to probably achieve a lower rate of return, which in turn creates um, the need for a higher um, higher base of liquid assets. Um, so that, that, that again, that's um, something that's very critical and that they have to understand um, what the lifestyle is, what the decision-making process and oftentimes it's it's hard to do because they may not leave the business for another 10 or 15 years, but that's just another argument for starting a plan now because you've created the basis for transferring the business. And, again, we refer back to the, the time issue. Uh, timing can be your best friend or your worst enemy. And in situations where you've made a plan early enough, uh, it should be able to – time will give you the opportunity to make adjustments and changes as lifestyle changes come about. And in conjunction with that, you know, I think a lot of uh, clients are looking to minimize their tax exposure, you know, before retirement and after. So what are your wealthiest clients doing to avoid paying taxes, you know, legally? Mm. Well, oddly enough, the only good thing about today's tax climate is the ability to transfer sizable amounts of wealth at discounted prices, you know, discounted Discounts can be identified in two ways. Um, well, first, there's the, the market discount, which is, you know, the company values are low due to the sagging economy. Um, secondly, there's valuation discounts that can be applied to transfers um, that will reduce, help reduce the transferred value even more. And now, this can be a good way to hedge against future appreciation and, and the state taxes. Um, and then there's also the ability to use trusts and um, uh, those are good strategies to transfer wealth and reduce taxes. Now, it's important also to note that a lot of these strategies are being targeted by the current administration, uh, which may cause a lot of these strategies to become obsolete. So I think it's important to understand, you know, stay tuned in the taxes uh, within the coming year. Um, hopefully the audience is, is aware of the impending tax cliff, as Mr. Bernanke calls it, you know, on January, January 1st, 2013, tax rates are going to revert back to 2001 rates, and new taxes will be added, including the 3.8% Medicare tax on investment income. So that's going to come into play with uh, business owners transferring their, um, their, their, their businesses next year. There's, on top of the, um, the regular tax rates, there's going to be an additional 3.8% tax on top of it. So, it's, again, it's, it's important to identify tax-saving opportunities, tax-saving strategies. Um, and I think I mentioned a little bit on the 
uh, earlier part of this, this interview um, on the 1202 gain exclusions, the 338, uh, some complex issues, but nevertheless, things that need to be, um, business owners need to know that if not so much the name of them, that these options are out there and that uh, um, they should be testing their advisors on, on some different solutions or alternatives when it comes to transferring a business. So, Joe, maybe you could share with us uh, some success stories and maybe some not-so-success stories that you're aware of um, by, by talking about owners making difficult decisions. You know, one of the things that I found is that there is a lot of reluctance to implement once people have the education, and a lot of the reluctance relates to family or business partners or, you know, outside influences. And oftentimes, owners have to be courageous and you know, visionary in order to maybe you know, take some risks in the short term that should pay off in the long term. And I think you know, some owners do it and some owners don't. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that and, and some experiences that you've had or things you've seen along the way. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of those cases where um, the, the lack of making a decision um, created some, some some problems, and, and typically life-altering situations um, are good motivators. Uh, and just to give you an example, as part of our planning process, we always review the buy-sell agreement and try to identify any deficiencies. Now, the major points we look at are the triggering events, the definition of value that's used in the, in the buy-sell agreement, um, how the buyout is to be structured, and whether the buyout is funded with life insurance. This is a great um, tool, cheap term life insurance, is a great tool to fund uh, buy-sell agreements, um, usually very economical compared to the alternative. Well, when um, one of my exit plan planning clients, when I delivered the plan, um, we made as one of our suggestions the need to fund the buy-sell agreement with life insurance. Uh, my recommendation was to get this done within one to three months. Um, in other words, get this thing moving right away. I think you know where this is going. Several months later, one of the partners was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and passed away shortly thereafter. Um, in another case, um, this tragedy occurred with a longtime client of mine um, where I had been insisting that they take the necessary steps to fund the buy-sell agreement as well as doing some estate planning. Now, in this case, the family owned two large manufacturing companies. Um, they were owned primarily by the father and mother, but there were five children uh, that, that hold, held a minority interest in the business. Well, two years ago, one of the sons had a sudden heart attack and passed away. Now, to make matters worse, 18 months after that, a second son passed away. So now the buy-sell agreement calls for the company to acquire the stock from the estate, um, which now has to come from operations, which is going to hinder operation, operating growth. Um, now, these instances are, are tragic and, and bad enough, but to make matters worse, worse, the widows have a perceived notion of what they think the value of the company is and are progressing towards litigation to try and get even more dollars in the buyout. I mean, it's unfortunate, but these issues arise all too often. That's why it's imperative that these issues get buttoned down sooner, sooner than later. And, you know, one 
one caveat is that uh, just because it's family doesn't mean that uh, anyone is immune, immune to this. Um, it could happen to any one of our audiences that have um, family members involved in the business. Um, I've seen just as many lawsuits between family members as I have from non-family members. Now, um, Fortunately, from my a, experience is the same. Yeah, it, it happens, and, and, and a lot of times uh, family litigation is worse than non-family litigation because the family members know the other party all too well, and they know all the, the circumstances that are involved, and which makes, which makes it even more difficult. So maybe uh, in spite of those, you know, two kind of, you know, significant yet terrible stories, how about some positive stories? What, what, what about some people that did some things right that maybe took the action that they needed to take, had the courage, and, and saw the fruits of their results? Yeah. Well, I think business owners make difficult decisions every day, um, and they make these decisions not only to better their own lives, but I think many business owners realize that their job, their business, um, there's many other individuals that are dependent on their business. Um, many of the employees are dependent on their jobs to support their families as well. Um, the goose, the, the, the business is the goose that lays the golden egg and, and needs to be protected. Uh, but I can share a story uh, about a former client of mine who started a distribution company out of the back of his pickup truck. Now, this particular uh, owner understood how important his people were for the success of the organization. As the business grew, he created a culture that fostered loyalty and hard work within his business. I mean, li listen to some of the things that he, he created. Uh, he, he created, um, he provided nap rooms, exercise facilities. Uh, he had a bring-your-dog-to-work day, and just many other benefits that created such a dynamic environment. Well, because of that culture, um, the the loyalty um, that the the employees had towards the business also grew, which ultimately caused the business to grow. Well, the business grew so much that uh, several years ago, the company was sold to a public company for nine figures. That's hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, and by the way, once the company was sold, this particular owner. Uh, handed out several seven-figure uh, bonus checks to his teams, to his team. So this, this is truly a success story. That's a great, that's a great success story. And uh, that's the American dream, right? Yes, it is. Yep. So what else would you like to share with our listeners about exit planning and ex your experience and the advice you might want them to, to impart with from this interview? Well, I think it's, again, uh, education. Even if you're not ready to exit your business within the next year or five years and maybe even ten years, I think it's critical that you become educated and understand uh, the obstacles that are going to be confronting you um, in, in the process. Um, make a plan early so that you can make some modifications because life is not stagnant. Life changes. And... Um, by planning early, you have the ability to make those changes to meet the, the changing demands of life. And um, just make sure that your um, your exit is based on your goals, not your owner's goal, not your advisor's goals. That is very critical because many times 
certain advisors will try to steer you towards um, a transaction that is not ready, that is not um, the proper solution for you. And um, and then just uh, once you're once you've got all your information, make an educated decision and and just go for it with the um, with the understanding that what you've done is the right um, is the right thing and that uh, it's it's going to work for you. Great. Well, Joe, thanks so much for your time today. Maybe you could share with the listeners how they could get in contact with you. In addition to having it on the, the we'll have it on our blog and website, Exit Strategy Simplified, if they want to take a look there. But if they've got a pen and they want to jot it down, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, you could call me at my office, 860-756-0929. Um, alternatively, you can email me at jbazano at petransitions.com. That's J-B-A-Z-Z-A-N-O at P as in private, E as in equity, transitions.com. Um, you can contact me. We provide a lot of um, uh, workshops and seminars for business owners who want to become educated um, in this process, and I'd certainly be happy to share with you some dates and some, some locations where we're offering some of these seminars. Great. Well, thanks so much, Joe. Thanks to our listeners, and we'll see you again on another great podcast from Exit Strategy Simplified. Thanks for listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast. Make sure to visit us on the web at divestopedia.com to see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business for the best price and terms. Whether you are thinking of selling, have started the sales process, or are post-deal, we aim to arm you with the knowledge required to maximize value and limit your downside risk. If you have any questions about today's podcast, you can contact your host, Noah Rosenfarb, a CPA and personal CFO to business owners planning their transition at 855-540-0400. Please be sure to rate us on iTunes and give us your feedback. Until next time, this is the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast.